The Book Love Foundation podcast is produced by the Teacher Learning Sessions, connecting teachers with ideas, experts, and each other. People oftentimes assume when students get to high school, they already know how to read and they don't need any of this time for independent reading or any of these strategies uh, for becoming better readers, which is so very untrue that I saw some areas of need in my high school and wanted to start taking steps towards uh, engaging with my administration and teachers to just honestly build awareness of the importance of uh, literacy and, and independent reading in the high school level. Welcome back to the Book Love Foundation podcast. I'm Penny Kittle, and I'm your host. Today, we're going to talk about leadership in teaching, and maybe not in the way you've thought about it before. I believe that we need communities of practice in teaching. We need each other. We're stronger together. We just don't teach as well when we're lone rangers. I know because I tried it for years. I believe teachers are complex and unique and beautifully made. And we're made for this hard work. But our continual improvement rests on how we reach towards that next draft of our work. The teachers I know understand that joy and rigor are dependent on curiosity and interest in our students and in ourselves. We have to be curious about our work. Teacher leaders reach out, draw people in, and help everyone get stronger. Sadie Nardini, who's helping me survive this New Hampshire winter with daily online yoga, wrote in a blog, Becoming a master takes stubbornness, dedication, and focus. And it starts right now. Transformation was, is, and always will be a DIY, a do-it-yourself process. I was struck by how much that mirrors teacher professional development. We can't wait for someone else to develop us. We are in charge of how we grow. Teaching's always a draft, always an approximation. But just like with the young writers we teach, we want each draft to show evidence of revision and improvement. You know that. You're listening to this podcast and no doubt you are on your own continual improvement plan as a teacher. After 31 years in teaching, I'm always hoping next year I will be better next week even. I also believe that happiness and contentment in teaching comes from the work itself. We commit to something big and significant. Sometimes that's leading your colleagues to study reading or a personal mission to bring rich reading experiences to every student in the school. Or you might be ready to submit a proposal to a local or even a national conference. Highly recommend it. It is this sense of moving forward that makes you a leader. You're reaching. You're not content to stay in place. And movement creates energy. It creates happiness, a sense of mission and significance. Our Book Love Foundation grant winners are teacher leaders. They're moving their work forward through continual study and refinement. They are revising their teaching lives. I know you will enjoy listening to some of their stories today. Joining me is Kevin Carlson from the Teacher Learning Sessions. Today's conversation 
starts at the end. Beth, it's been such a treat to talk to you. This is Penny wrapping up her conversation with Beth Hughes, a Book Love Award winner from Wakefield, Massachusetts. I have one question for you. Okay. There's a lot of people that think that this is malarkey, so I didn't know if you've ever encountered that with your um, your colleagues at one point years ago and um, people, I mean, I, I can't even believe you got the whole school to be doing that reading. That That's amazing to me. Um, so I think everyone thinks that's really great that that's working for you. What, what, how do you deal with colleagues that are just naysayers? Yeah, I think, um, and I would, I would make that present tense. I still have plenty of colleagues who are naysayers, oh. both in the professional development work I do and in my own building. That's Penny Kittle saying she encounters naysayers all the time even some in her own school. If that's her experience, what does it take for a teacher to lead a revolution in her own classroom, or even to challenge herself to present at literacy conferences in the larger world? It takes a willingness to risk. That isn't easy. But as Danny Wallace says, sometimes it's riskier not to take a risk. Sometimes all you're guaranteeing is that things will stay the same. We can't let things stay the same when we have so many teenagers who confess that they no longer read. They're sitting in classrooms all over the country waiting for teachers to show them the power of words on the page. And as we know, engaged reading is a powerful predictor of life success by any measure. But that doesn't mean that leading change in your classroom or your school is going to be easy. Today's podcast will introduce you to Book Love Foundation grant winners who are leaders. First, let's define some ways that teachers can be leaders. Here are three broad categories, and people certainly can fit into more than one of them. First, a leader within the classroom, inside the reading-writing workshop. The kind of teacher who leads students by example. This is Rebecca Hess working alongside my students and developing my writing with them and showing them that I'm struggling in some of the same areas that they are. I'm just a little further down the road and I've come back to this struggle again. (laughs) They find that encouraging when I am willing to open up and share that experience. A leader can work to create change in a school or throughout the school district, working with colleagues to study the challenges of reaching readers. Here, Jen Brinkmeyer shares her perspective on convincing peers to adopt book choice in English class. It doesn't work to ram, you know, ram something down somebody's throat that like you found the right way to do something or, you know, that's just not a helpful way to go about it. But other teachers saw the success I was having because um, they would talk to me about, you know, my students aren't reading. Uh, oh, they're reading a, they get a free choice book this trimester one and it's not going very well. And I have students reading upwards of 20,000 pages a trimester. Um, and so being able to kind of say, well, I mean, it's working and, and to be able to give some, some tips has, has really, uh, helped our department grow. Um, a lot of people have moved away from just going through a series of whole class novels the whole year to some really, uh, robust independent reading programs. And I think that's only going to pay dividends for our students in terms of their reading love and stamina and really just getting to know a lot of good books. To hear my science teachers say, well, how do I, how do I get the books? This is Erica Beaton on the challenges of working with colleagues who teach other subject areas and may not feel comfortable helping match kids 
to books. Even if they have the heart and they say this is what's important, the acquisition of books, it's so hard. But when it comes to fostering independent reading, as an English teacher or a teacher of any other subject, the point isn't perfection. The point is progress. You know, we don't have uh, library science degrees to know, oh, you know, I need this type of book and this is where I find good lists and this and that. And I'm glad the science teacher came to you because you can give good advice. Yeah, he's, he's just a gem. He's been really exciting to have as an addition to our team. A teacher can also be a leader beyond the classroom, sharing thoughts and ideas through presentations. This is Julie Jarrell. People oftentimes assume when students get to high school, they already know how to read and they don't need any of these um, or any of this time for independent reading or any of these strategies uh, for becoming better readers, which is so very untrue that I felt like uh, I saw some areas of need and in my high school and wanted to um, start taking steps towards uh, engaging with my administration and teachers to, um, to just honestly build awareness of the importance of uh, literacy and, and independent reading in the high school level. All three of these styles of leadership advance the work in literacy that we need. Whether a teacher leads within the classroom, between classrooms, or beyond the classroom, one isn't better or more important than the other. But what they have in common, what their shared foundation is built upon, is that teachers who are leaders do for themselves what they expect from their students. They read. They write. They share their thinking with others. Here is Penny with Melissa Sawyer, a teacher early in her career who has taken a strong role in fostering and building an environment of independent reading throughout her school. You said you're a second-year teacher, and I'm really curious how you came about um, all of this thinking about reading, etc. I mean, was it through professional development that you were doing, or is it just on your own? Although my district does send me on a ton of professional development opportunities. It's been through like my through my own reading that has kind of opened the window for independent reading in class. Uh, I read your book right beside me. Uh, I think it was in grad school. Um, and then that kind of led me to the book love and I've read Donalyn Miller's um, The Book Whisperer. So I, it's been through more my own research and my own reading that I developed passion for including independent reading. In I think that's kind day. of ironic, you know, it's through my own reading that I found my passion <laughs> for independent reading. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. I think that as teachers, we have to seek a lot of what we're after simply because a lot of um, the professional development in my school is more general. It's not content specific because we're a high school and there are so many content areas. So I do find that, you know, I surround myself with people that are passionate about what we're doing and are really willing to ask hard questions and try to find answers and not blame kids and not blame our situation, but simply say, this is something we can figure out. Um, I love that. I always, I feel like I rise next to people who are trying and um, seeking answers, not coming up with reasons why it can't work. Teachers really like to know that other people are wondering about the similar topics and that, and that the answers aren't so clear. This is Kevin English who teaches outside of Detroit and in 2015 was named the 30 Under 30 Literacy Champion by the International Literacy Association. Kevin has presented at NCTE and in other professional settings as well. 
I'm thinking to my most recent session at NCTE, um, which is called Doing More Isn't Doing Better, How to Be a Teacher and Have a Life. And <laughs> we, 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 we didn't really offer any answers, um, but it turned into this session of kind of, you know, knowing we're not alone. Um, and I think that's been, that's been career saving um, in, a, in a way that other things, you know, aren't, um, you know, when so many directives are placed on us that my, my membership in NCTE and IRA and MCTE, that, that those are people I can turn to, um, especially the writing project too, um, when, when I have questions um, in ways that, you know, um, I, I know that, that aren't simply, or that aren't answered uh, simply, um, but that really are, are quite complex. Um, and I know that that conversation, you know, will take more, will we'll go beyond just an hour. Um, that it's something that'll keep going. Um, and that's sustaining for me. Oh, it absolutely is. Part of what you're naming there is how intellectually rigorous the, the work of teaching is and how we need like-minded colleagues who want to embrace that, um, the, the difficulty and the no right answer, but what's the answer that's working for me now, um, mm -hmm. thinking, and then to really dig in and say, this just isn't going the way I want it to. What do you think I should do next? And we need people like that around us or else we're going to get lost in this work. It is relentless. It's so difficult to admit um, that something isn't working out the way we want it to because, you know, we'll, we'll, we're kind of, you know, teachers are under scrutiny that if, if we're not perfect, if, if we're not working harder, um, you know, then, then it is kind of like it's our fault. It's kind of that, that bootstraps mentality in a way that, that if we show weakness, then we're not good enough. It takes confidence to lead change. Here's more from Rebecca Hess and how she became more confident as a writer and, in turn, how that helped her students in writing workshop. I was in the Shenandoah Valley Writing Project last summer, and that was really an amazing experience, those four weeks working with other teachers, not just English teachers, but all teachers in all subjects. Like We had history teachers, math teachers, librarians. I think we had a science teacher as well all interested in writing and developing writing. And I learned so much. And that really aided coming into this school year and thinking about writing differently because there were so many strategies and such a focus on developing authentic writing and developing as a writer myself. I've found that seeing myself as a writer through that process of going through that cohort made a huge difference in how I approach writing in my classroom. The writing project really allowed me to explore that and practice first before I went into the classroom and was that vulnerable in front of my students and sharing my writing and opening up in that way. That's beautiful. And more people credit the National Writing Project than any other professional development I can think of. And I think that it's primarily because um, you're there with colleagues learning how to do what you need to teach. Yes. And you have enough time to really explore how you work as a writer yeah, I think, and a lot of the strategies that I experienced going through that program and was able to bring back into my classroom and incorporate have proved just to be so effective. So we've met teachers today who lead within, between, and beyond their classrooms. And we've seen that when they follow the same practices for themselves that they foster in their students, they grow both personally and professionally. But let's turn back now to where we started with Penny responding to Beth about colleagues who are not leaders, but instead 
our naysayers? I think that the the biggest challenge is we don't sit and pursue these questions deeply enough as teachers. I read 30 books on the teaching of reading um, and on reading research in order to write book love. And we don't do that as professionals. And so when you encounter a question and you come up with a really short answer, yeah, but then they won't all read Canterbury Tales. Okay, but if we stay with that thinking and really push back on how many kids are reading it, what does it mean if they're not reading it? And all of that, um, we just don't tend to take the time in our individual schools to really pursue the answers to all those questions. So the places where um, the work is having the most success, where whole schools have been transformed, is when they all read the book together, book love, or um, start with read aside or something and start asking questions in their own department and then choosing a path to really look at it together. Because otherwise you end up divided. And having been in a divided building since I first started doing the thinking about this 16 years ago, um, it's it can be very challenging to work together when you come from very different places, belief systems. And In my mind, our mission is to create kids who will read and write for life and will feel empowered. They'll be confident and independent. And, you know, this world has changed. And so I usually will take the time to say, okay, I'm standing at my door on hall duty and kids are coming down the hall on their phones, checking in on what happened in chapter three so we can talk about that when we get to class. (laughs) And that's just not reading. Right. So um, one of my girls this year in research writing a senior said that, you know, their summer reading homework for me was to read 10 books to prepare for this advanced research class in the fall. And they could read any 10 books they wanted, but I had suggestions for them and I wanted it to be a blend of fiction and nonfiction. And so um, several of the kids came for suggestions. One of them was this girl, Bella. And she said to me the other day, you know, I um, took the SAT in the spring and then I took it in the fall. And after reading those 10 books this summer, I went up 200 points in critical oh reading. Gosh. And she said, I know what the difference was. It's exactly what you said. The difference is I finished the test that I didn't have the stamina. I was reading so slowly and was mm-hmm. so inexperienced in actually reading that to read those passages and answer the questions, I couldn't do it in the time they had. And so I think that we have abundant evidence that kids do not have the stamina for reading, but we're not um, listening. And so my only suggestion is, um, you know, you've got a cohort of people to maintain your strength as a group. Yep. Keep reading, keep questioning, keep trying, and then invite others to be on this journey of thinking with you because we can all do this work better. What I love about The work I do is that I'm constantly questioning and gathering people around me that will help me think better about the work that I'm doing right now, because I know that's what it means to be a professional. So just keep doing that so you keep your own energy there. And you can't, if we spend too much time with people who always say no, no, but, but, it brings us down. So just find the people who really help you do the best work you can do. Here on the podcast, we have been talking with teachers around the country and sharing lists of books that their students love to read. Here, Christina Haney talks about one particular author instead. My one go-to, my secret weapon the past few years has been any book by Matt De La Pena. I have several students, some, some students will come in and say, 
I hate reading and I've never had a book that I've loved. And it's almost a challenge to me. They, they want to see if they can shock me. And I just tell them, you know, before you leave, I will find the book for you. Trust me, it will happen. And so um, one, one book that I've had a lot of success with is um, We Were Here by Matt De La Pena. And they also love his book, uh, Mexican White Boy. And so if I can get them hooked with that one, um, I'm, I'm golden because then they want to read all of his books. And oh, I so carry on that. He is so fabulous. Have you yes. heard him tell, <laughs> I don't know, you, you do go to the Texas council of teachers of English conference, right? So you oh, must, yes. yeah, you must've heard his life story that he told that he then wrote on that thing online. Yes. And I think his personal story is very moving as well. So I try to share that with my students and he is a very open author. Uh, he will connect with people on Facebook and Twitter. And I had a student one time, one of the ones who told me, you will not make me love reading, I promise you. And he ended up reading all of Matt's books within one semester. And so I said, well, we should write to the author and let him know what you think. And you know, maybe he'll write you back, I can't promise this. So we went looking for Matt's uh, address and we couldn't really find a physical address and I said well let's email him and uh, my student was just dead set on I want to send an old school letter it just means something to me to send a hard copy so we actually were able to contact him and he sent me his information and my my student was able to mail him at home and that was just that just made his day made his day yeah absolutely that's a Matt story if I've ever heard one because every time I see him his generosity is so complete. Um, he just loves his work, loves his writing, loves kids. Um, it's really beautiful that he was our Newbery winner. Um, I'm just, I'm a big yeah. Matt fan. The books that Christina mentioned are in the show notes at teacherlearningsessions.com slash go slash booklove or by going to the podcast network menu and selecting the Booklove Foundation podcast. You can also have that list sent directly to your inbox by joining our special Book Love Foundation podcast email list. On the day each episode comes out, you will receive an email that includes a list of the books we book talk, along with other information about the show. You can join the email list at teacherlearningsessions.com slash go slash booklove. We're going to end with a story from Serena Kessler that reminds us all why this work matters. When we help students find books, they discover the world. This is a kid who in the sixth grade was diagnosed with a learning disability. So um, he's certified special education. And he came to me as an 11th grader. Um, he also spent a good portion of last year homeless and is currently living with a grandparent but I think his parents are still homeless. And he is one of my frequent users of my library. He has read um, 23 books since I started teaching him last year. He's not currently my student. And so I asked him, I said, you know, 23 books, that's, you know, what do you think about that? That's a lot of books. And he said, I didn't think I'd read 23 books in my whole entire life, let alone in a little over a year. And I asked him how many books he had read previous. And he said that he, he had read one or two books in school, but he had never read a book on his own. And so I asked him what, 
what hooked him, what got him into it. And it was the Percy Jackson series. So it was the lightning thief. I did a book talk on the lightning thief and he thought that sounded pretty cool. And so he picked that up and, um, read through that whole series pretty quickly and then, um, moved on to mostly, um, mostly sort of sci-fi fantasy. He's really into mythology. So he read all the, the Rick Riordan books in that series. And I, um, I asked him, um, why he, why he reads instead of playing video games or watching TV. And he told me that, He's played video games and watched TV most of his life, and he's just really bored with it. And reading just made the world seem a lot bigger to him. He also scored a 19 on his um, ACT reading, which is something that no one ever would have predicted given his struggles in reading and language um, throughout middle school and high school. He wants to be a game designer. And he said that the books have really helped him be more imaginative and, and come up with ideas and he for games and he does role play games and he likes that he can he has all of these um, references to all these books that he is, he's read and it helps him in these role play games. Wow, is that a story? You know that some of the highlights yeah. like the the way it's cultivated his imaginative thinking is, an incredibly powerful thing. I've had kids as well who say, um, I used to sit on my couch and scroll through Facebook posts and be bored. And now I'm reading. Yeah. I think we, um, forget, you know, Richard Allington said our older struggling readers will never become proficient unless we dramatically increase volume. And that's the dramatic change in this boy is the increase in volume. You know, I never thought I'd read that many books in my life. And look at this a year and a half later. Yeah. Um, that's just yeah. so powerful. What a wonderful influence you've been on yeah. him. I'm so excited for him. He's going to community college next year and, and he's going to do it. He can do it. He, you know, here's a kid. He thought he couldn't, he thought he couldn't read and he can, and he does. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope this podcast gave you a few things to think about. How might you lead right where you are? As Lolly Daskal, president and CEO of Lead From Within says, leading is about striving to become better than we are and helping everything and everyone around us to become better too. I'm proud to know the teachers you've met on our podcast today. They're leaders and they're also just good people. If you want to know more about the Book Love Foundation, please visit booklovefoundation.org. We're currently reading applications for 2016 and struggling to decide which classrooms we can fund this year. We could sure use your help. Any contribution will help us. 100% of donations go to teachers we know will put books into kids' hands. Thank you for believing how important that work is. I'm Penny Kittle. If you enjoy this podcast, please let people know that you like it and tell them why. Talk to your colleagues about it and share it on your online social network. And if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe and take a moment to leave a rating and a review. That's a great way for you to help support us because it helps other teachers learn what the show is about. In our next episode, How Books Help Kids Cope. 
and that was a book that I think spoke to him um, in a way that I, I don't think any any lesson or any teacher or you know talking with any other adult I think could. It was one of those where you know after he finished reading it, it was okay. Well, what what are we going to read next? That's next time on the Book Love Foundation podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm Kevin Carlson. The Book Love Foundation podcast is produced by the TeacherLearningSessions.com, connecting teachers with ideas, experts, and each other.